Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, welcome to the Hostile Work Environment Podcast. My name is Mark Alifans, and I'm here with Kate Bischoff as always. What's happening, Kate? Hi, uh, I am doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm trapped at home, but you know, who isn't? <laughs> right, we're all trapped at home. Um, we recently tweeted back and forth about something that um, I am appalled that you've taken this position for oh and so as the mother of a 15 and a 12 year old boy i have prepared a case for today okay and it's all about the thing you don't find funny oh is it about poop part that poop and fart jokes yes it's about fart jokes <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> it's about pooping and farting and sound effects courtesy of my child. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because again, they are 15 and 12 year old boys. And so my world is covered in poop and fart jokes. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place. <laughs> This is that time and place. <laughs> yes, this is that time and place. So it's let's... just not something that I encourage <laughs> with the eleven-year-olds here. Nor uh, does my wife have. My wife has even less interest in that kind of humor than I do. So okay. Well, I guess I understand. So I have two things <laughs> for you. The first one is we're going to challenge the consulting part of your business. Are you ready? Uh oh. Okay, so this I'm comes from no. No. <laughs> you should be. This comes from Reddit, and it's uh, from Dear HR or Ask HR. So, hi okay. HR, I own a small business, and we have a twelve by twelve office room where we work with four people. Not anymore, you don't. Um, but wow. still, okay. They made That's a new tiny. Yeah, it's really tiny. They made a new hire of a twenty three year old female who is a fitness and nutrition enthusiast. She is vegan and eats the same thing every day for lunch, which is essentially a bowl of vegetables, beans, and mustard. Vegetables, beans, and mustard. Uh-huh. All things okay. that make my belly go blah, 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 blah. Okay? I mean, like Dijon or <laughs> spicy think... brown or... <laughs> I don't think the, the type of mustard really matters, but every single day around 3 p.m., she starts letting off silent, but insanely deadly veggie farts oh my, no <laughs> my wife works in the office and we have both discussed this at great length about how to handle it we've noticed her stepping out of the room fairly regularly presumably to relieve her vegan gas but she also snacks a lot of as part of her diet now, this is what they've done so far. They had lit candles, which help mask the smell, but we think it's just flat out offensive and disrespectful for her to do this in our workplace. So she's in her fourth week and they want to know how should they proceed? Whoa. 
Wow, so... that's really, that's challenging, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's uncomfortable at best. <laughs> at best. And this particular farting or release has nothing to do with any sort of medical condition, right? Because it's that, just her Presumably diet. that they're aware of. Right. But this is it could come out when they ask, though. <laughs> oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So how would you no handle pun it? Intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, so, I mean, I guess one one thing I would be suggesting in the first place, and I don't, was this, so was this written by somebody in HR or is it written no. by, written by someone in the office mates? Written by the owner of the business who's seeking help from HR, wants to know how oh. he should handle this. Okay, so so presumably then some of the others in the little office have complained to the owner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in that case, I might I might first be asking, has anybody actually just talked to her about it, just mm -hmm. casually? And I'm going to assume, though, for purposes of this, that we're past that point. So I don't know that we're past that point. I mean, they've lit oh, okay. candles, right, to try to mask it. And so they right. haven't... I mean, have they told her that's why has anybody <laughs> confronted her in any way i don't think so i don't think anyone's confronted her i mean in the most midwestern way to handle this would be to leave a box of gas x on her desk right that would be the passive aggressive totally. way to handle this but if they're going to have the conversation with her what should they say right i mean i was just thinking as an east coaster <laughs> on the west coast like this is one of like as a New York lawyer, I'm like, just go tell her that she's got to stop, right? Like, just go have the conversation with her, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas here it would be, you know, Oregon, I think, is one of the most passive-aggressive places on earth. So that, you know, they would be much more that Midwest gas X, or they would mm -hmm. just not say anything, not say anything, not say anything, except to each other, and then you're fired. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You would so, fire her without really addressing the situation. Yes. But I, I mean somebody's got to pull her aside and have a conversation, right? And it's got to be somebody who can handle that uncomfortable conversation. Hopefully mm -hmm. there's somebody there who can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would sit down and say, look, it's come to our attention that <laughs> you're in a very small office and there is a problem with flatulence in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, several in the office have noted that that is because of you. Uh, and we wanted to let you know about it. Mm -hmm. And see if there's anything we can do to help remedy that situation, especially as seeing that it's in such a tight space. Yes. And I'd wait for a response, right? And see what she has to say. And, you know, it's, well, I eat all my health food. And it's like, well, is there a way that we can shift your diet? Is there a way, you know, <laughs> but if, but if she comes back and she said, actually, I have, you know, IBS and there's nothing, right? Like, then it's like, okay, well. Now we're in potential ADA land, accommodation land. How are we mm -hmm. going to, what can we do to try to accommodate that? Um, and in that case, then it could be as simple as we have to move some people's spaces around. Um, you, you know, presumably it won't be quite, maybe it's diffused more if she's in an open space as opposed to a closed space. You know, it, it strikes me as a pretty shitty, no pun intended way to get your own <laughs> private office. Right. Right. Um, but again, without knowing what the what the size of the company is, what the resources mm -hmm. they have are, it's a little difficult to make a judgment right now as to what's going to be deemed reasonable when it comes to an accommodation. I'll note, though, that this is most likely not in accommodation land. 
right? Yeah. You, it, I, I'd say capital A accommodation land, right? So under mm -hmm. the ADA accommodation land, this is more in the how can we accommodate this so that everybody can actually get their work done land. Ex exactly. Little it stops, A accommodation. Right. Like it stops. So yes, you're going to have to have a conversation. Every seasoned HR person I know of has had the conversation at least once in their career where they've had to talk about hygiene or Barton. B.O. Yep. And it is an incredibly, incredibly difficult conversation. Mine was, I was in Zambia and I had to have a conversation with a very senior level locally engaged staff member who was regularly interacting with Americans and high level Americans when they would come on congressional delegations, et cetera. And I had to explain that you can't smell this way. And I realized that you might not be able to smell yourself, but there are showers over here and there's deodorant over here and I'm going to leave them over here. And before you have these meetings, you have to do that. So yes, it is not. How did that go? Uh, I think I was more embarrassed than he was, um, but I think he took it in stride. And then as soon as it started to get better, you know, his influence throughout the embassy kind of took off. So I think he understood that it was to his benefit overall. Right. I mean, and, and that that's another key point to think about, right, in mm -hmm. terms of having that communication, which is that this is this is uncomfortable for me to bring this to you. Nobody wants to have to have this conversation. Nobody wants to be on the receiving end of this conversation. In the end, it will benefit you to manage this, whether it's flatulence if you can, or BO mm -hmm. if you can. Again, there's things that can't be controlled, but right. if there is a path to, here's some soap and a shower, I can show you how to use it if you like. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm getting that much detail, but still, no, we'll I agree you with you. and your reputation in the long run. Right. You want people to work with you. Right. And like, so that's how I usually go. People want to work with you. And right now this is a barrier for them wanting to work with you. So that typically is how I've had handled that conversation. But yeah. now that you mentioned IBS, let's talk about poo. And I've got, a, I've got a great case that can be analyzed both in 2015 and then we should do it in times of COVID in 2020 and see if okay. the analysis changes, okay? All right. So let's talk about Jane, okay? Jane. And I'm, I'm not gonna use Jane's last name because Jane suffers from IBS and this must be mortifying to her knowing that there are at least three published decisions related oh to the amount of time she poops. I am the IBS poster child? No, thank you. <laughs> no, this poor woman. Oh, my uh, God. So, so Jane worked for Ford Motor Company as a resale buyer. So what she would do, she would work with steel stampers, and she would buy steel related to the bodies and the exterior of cars. Okay? Mm -hmm. And often... In about 2008, 2009, there were a bunch of stampers that were going out of business. So there was a bunch of supply chain problems. And so it required her to do a bunch of problem solving with the stampers to find the stuff that Ford needed in order to do the job. She was widely considered to be good at her job in the first few years that she worked there. She received positive reviews a lot. 
But then 2009 happened and everything came off the rails. Okay. So and just James, to ask for, for purpose of placement, is this an office job? Yes, it definitely okay. is an office job. Yep. Right. Um, she suffers from irritable bowel syndrome, which for those of you who don't know, it involves cramping, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, excessive gas. And often the diarrhea is explosive. In fact, in one of the reported decisions here, it described how Jane testified that it could just start pouring out of her while at work. Okay. She described how she, oh my God. I know, right? How she could just soil herself while commuting the one hour to work so she wouldn't make it to work. Or that if she stood up from her desk, who would come out? Oh, I feel so bad for her. Oh I know, right? This is horrible. And so she starts trying some alternative work arrangements. Um, her former, her female boss at one so, time. Sorry, can I stop one more time? Yeah. This is happening even before 2009 when the rails come off, or this is becoming. It's so becoming I don't know when you worse. say the rails come off. It, it gets worse for her, and we're not talking about the economy rails coming off the... No, 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 no. We're talking about the IBS. We're talking okay. about rails coming off, stuff coming off the rails and stuff coming out of her. Okay? <laughs> so then in, in 2009, she gets a new supervisor, and her previous supervisor had let her do some telecommuting. Okay. They had tried some alternative work arrangements, including four tens, et cetera. None of that seemed to work. So she makes the request to work away from the office, to work from home up to four days a week on an unpredictable schedule so that she could still do her job, but be at home. So if something happened or something came out, she was in a place where she could take care of it herself. Okay. Yes. Boss says no. In his so she had been doing this, and then now the boss says you can no longer do this. No, she had tried some telecommuting. She was telecommuting okay. like a day a week here and there, um, but she wanted to make it more permanent. She wanted it I to see. be four days because if she wasn't coming into work, the stress would be less, and theoretically her symptoms would be less, but she wanted this flexibility to be able to do this. And... While Ford was letting the other resale buyers work from home up to one day a week, they said no. In fact, her boss testified, I made this decision because Ms. Harris's job required regular interactions with her team and a number of contacts both inside and outside of Ford. And these interactions could not be adequately handled over the phone or via email. While occasional matters could be dealt with in that fashion, the spontaneous flow and exchange of information, which is critical to the group problem-solving component of her job, would be compromised if issues had to be put on hold until a conference call could be scheduled. I also based my decision on the fact that there were concerns about her performance, and she had got some pricing things mixed up, and because of the unpredictability of the schedule she was seeking. It was my understanding that Ms. Harris would not be able to predict based upon her medical condition which days she would be in the office. And so this was the reason for them not giving the accommodation that she requested. Instead, okay. they offered to move her cubicle closer to the bathroom. Okay. And she said no. Eventually, um, what, she makes this request in about April or so, and by September, she's fired for poor performance. 
Now, okay. she goes to the EEOC and 12 days after her termination files a charge of discrimination on the basis of failure to accommodate and retaliation. Because as soon as she starts making these requests, her performance goes downhill. So there's a retaliation component. The retaliation component, I think, is not the most interesting part of this case. It is whether or not working from home is a reasonable accommodation. Okay? Yeah. Do you have any predictions of how this goes? Oh. You know, my initial inclination. So part of the problem here is not having a full grasp of what her job actually was, right? So Mm -hmm. I hear... I hear the quote from the boss that sounds pretty compelling. I mean, it sounds interesting to me that like, okay, she has a sort of job that requires some spontaneous stuff that you can't just do from home or schedule on a call. You have to sometimes just be there and pick up a phone or talk to the person who's sitting next to you or whatever. And again, I'm doing this in the context of pre-COVID, right? So, right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard not knowing the essential functions of the job and the interactions on the job to be able to say whether it's really necessary for them to have her there. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm a little caught up and not really having an easy time predicting this. Where I'm also hearing is, you know, the, the, the path to an accommodation is a two way street and they each put one idea out. They rejected that idea, but then was there any other, further dialogue around other things that we can do to help manage this. And I don't know if she asked for anything else. It sounds like no, based on the fact. Yeah, not really. I mean, there was certainly was an opportunity to have more conversations about what that could have happened, but that's not where the, the courts here deal with the situation. So the first court is District Court of Eastern Michigan. And the district court says, no, reason, working from home is not a reasonable accommodation. It would need to be an exceptional case where work from home is a reasonable accommodation. So, Which by the, the standards of that time doesn't sound outrageous to me that a court would find that. Right, exactly. Right, okay? Now remember, the EEOC is the one litigating this case, okay? Okay. I'm not sure so I caught not, that, but yes. It's okay. not Jane bringing the case on her own. So then we get to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals and the three-judge panel. And this is where in 2014, I remember when this case came out because everybody and their mother blogged about it because the three-court, three-judge panel reverses summary judgment and finds that there's a fact issue of whether or not working from home could be a reasonable accommodation. Okay, that also makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on the facts as I heard them, there that sounds like a fact issue to me. I don't know enough about this job as to whether this particular job would be accommodated easily from home or not. Right, and so they focused on whether or not the physical attendance at the work site is considered an essential function, not whether or not working from home, but it's whether that physical presence is truly an essential function of the job. And they quote everybody's favorite judge, Judge Posner, that says teamwork under supervision generally cannot be performed at home without substantial reduction in the quality of the employee's performance that would no doubt change as communications technology advances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even in 2014, they're suggesting that maybe there's a way to do this. 
So was that, I'm just curious, was it, it was a three nothing panel? No, we had a descent. Okay. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just straight up. They all were like, no, duh, this is, this is a fact issue. One, one would have kept it as a dismissal. One would have kept it as a dismissal. So because everybody and their mother in the illegal blogging world, including our friends, all blogged about this. Okay. They appeal it for an in bonk decision. Okay. And then we get the whole six circuit. All right. And so the- just for listeners, right, en banc means it's more legal Latin that uh, usually when something goes up to a circuit court of appeals, we get a three three judges who decide it. And then from there, it might go to the Supreme Court on appeal for acceptance or not. Or it may go, and it's not very usual, but it can also go to the entire circuit court of appeals. In this case, it's, it's the Sixth Circuit, right? So, mm-hmm. and I don't know, each of the circuit courts has a different number of judges and they have different rules as to whether en banc means all of them or some significant portion of them, right? The Ninth Circuit's so big that it's like nine out of 28 or something. But, um, <laughs> yes. I mean, 21, something like that. But so again, here, so now because of the kind of importance of this decision and kind of how controversial it is, they go on bonk for the entire Sixth Circuit. They go on bonk for the entire Sixth Circuit, and we get an 8-4 decision. Okay. Okay. So then in April of 2015, the Sixth Circuit reverses itself. Wait, uh, hold on. So we get an 8-4 decision upholding the panel? No. Reversing Over- the panel. Reversing the panel. Yep. Okay. So the guy who wrote the dissent writes the opinion for the en banc decision. Aha. Mm-hmm. And really sticks it to the panel because he relies on this concept of common sense. This <laughs> <laughs> should say that you need to work from home. So we get to... His part on the common sense. Sometimes a sometimes forgotten guide likely supports the general rule. Common sense. Non-lawyers would readily understand that the regular on-site attendance is required for interactive jobs. Perhaps they would view it as the basic, most fundamental activity of their job. So by basing it on the record, you need to make sure that you are using common sense to determine if this is a reasonable accommodation or not. And they said it is not because Ford had alleged it was a very interactive job. Okay. I I love it when when you base something on common sense, but two people could look at it and have plenty of common sense and still come to a differing opinion. Yes. Now, does you think do you think this opinion still holds in 2020? Yeah, that's hard, right? I mean, I I think probably the reasoning could still hold, though the economic and technological reality that we live in today is so different. Mm-hmm. Um and even though the technology was there, say, six months ago to have Zoom chats or Skype chats or team chats or whatever you happen to use for chat, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that that would have changed a whole lot six months ago. 
I think now, I don't know how long it's going to take the law to catch up with the reality that we're in now, but I think now we're seeing that so many more jobs probably can be performed from home and that we were probably being a little non-commonsensical before about whether that would be a reasonable accommodation or not. And I I don't know how, you know, there's like, again, there's, you know, just the continuum over time of telecommuting had become between 2010 and, and 2020 more of an acceptable thing. So where yeah. where we go from this is common sense to it's not common sense or the common sense itself changes around what that evaluation mm-hmm. looks like. I don't know where that demarcating point is, but I think that there's a good chance that if it hadn't crossed that point, we're past it now. Yep, I agree. I think this decision from the Sixth Circuit is for, rendered virtually meaningless because we have all needed to work from home. For now, for many of us, an extended period. For me, you know, a really long time. I mean, eight weeks it's been since I've seen a client in the flesh. So I don't see how we continue to argue that working from home can't be a reasonable accommodation anymore. But that is just... Again, for an office job with certain... Right. right, I mean, obviously there's going to be certain jobs, even some office jobs that cannot be done from home. Right. Um, that by their very nature require you to be with a group of people or interacting in such a way that you can't do it by Skype or by Zoom. But there's a huge universe of office jobs, humongous universe of office jobs that can probably be done, if not entirely, significantly in part mm-hmm. from home. Yep. Technology is radically changed and our circumstances have radically changed to make it so that many of us can and some of us may and Jane may need to work from home so this has quickly changed in the time of COVID yeah right wow that's a cool case and it's cool to think about just in terms of contextualizing the wins Mm -hmm. uh, and and how things have changed and how what we're currently living through is likely to have long-lasting impacts, not just on the day-to-day reality, but also on the law as to what courts deem acceptable and what are acceptable accommodations for for whatever, you know, disability you might have. Mm-hmm. And imagine just the perspective of, a lo- of the judge changing, because a lot of judges are working from home now, right? And so they've been forced to see what it looks like. And Many of them, I'm assuming, are able to do it. So even their perspective on whether or not it could be done is probably changing as well. I think that's fair. I think that's Mm -hmm. fair. I think we're going to see in some ways some significant, you know, the law I've always thought is a fairly slow changing animal, (laughs) right? I mean, and for good reason, for good reason in most cases. I mean, certain civil rights, I, you know, would have been happy if that had happened faster <laughs> and sooner. And and the law tends to lag where society is by a bit, but eventually it catches up. I think this is going to force society to change in such significant ways, even once we can be back in each other's presence again, that the law is going to have to move faster to stay current, or otherwise we're going to get just so many decisions that just don't match the reality of the life that we live. Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool case. You're welcome. So, okay, you've got a listener story. I do have a listener story. Yay! 
say, if you have a listener story, if you, yeah, a so, listener or viewer, have one, send it to us. Podcast at gmail.com. Our, our archive of unused stories is rather bare. I, I have enough for five or seven more episodes, but I like to have you know more in the bank than that. Mm -hmm. um, also, it gives me more options to choose and pick and choose depending on what else we might be talking about that episode. So yes, um, uh, and you guys all should know that I don't get to see the stories. I hear the stories live with you. So if you send in a story, you can know that I'm going to hear it from the first time when we're talking to Mark. So yeah, that's I love doing it that way because I just get <laughs> the best reactions and that was worth that was worth something before but now that we do video i mean it's just it's awesome the yes. thumbnails just make themselves um <laughs> all right so i've got a, a really good listener story here um so this happened in about 1990 or 1991 so we're going back a ways okay i i was working for one of the top sports agencies in the world it was very much a Ooh, boys jerry mcguire jerry mcguire yeah. <laughs> I was a female attorney, mid-level, with some previous experience in a team sport the agency had not ever had clients in before. And our Ooh, vice chairman, yeah, I don't, I actually don't know what sport. I may, okay. I may go back and ask. Um, our vice chairman, uh, the head of our team sports group, had scheduled a recruiting meeting with a graduating senior in that sport who was expected to be uh, chosen fairly high in the draft. So he asked me to join in the recruiting meeting. The meeting was to be in Chicago. I traveled to meet up with the vice chairman, we'll call him Stephen, and the head of our investment financial services team, we'll call him Daniel, who were arriving from elsewhere. The meeting was scheduled on a Saturday afternoon in the early autumn. Stephen had rented a big suite in a fancy hotel for the meeting. The athlete was due at 2 p.m. with his parents and girlfriend. Stephen asked Daniel and me to meet him in the suite at noon. Uh, okay, so can we just quickly Stop for a second. This is yeah. a business meeting being held in a hotel suite, which yes. I want to point that out for yes. purposes of just, oh, business meetings can occur in a hotel suite without there being, oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, although I think it's probably a much more of an early 90s thing than you'd see happening quite in the same way today. True. Uh, when I got there, Daniel had already arrived. He and Steven were watching college football on TV. I looked around the living room of the suite and then sat down to join them. Steven didn't seem uh, to be quite ready to start preparing for the meeting, so we just watched football for a little while. The guys started chatting, and I tuned them out, but after a while, I realized they were discussing Playboy centerfolds. Specifically, they were comparing, uh, comparing the recent attribute. Sorry. Attributes? The re relative attributes of recent centerfold models in a very explicit and almost clinical way. I thought to myself, this is a test. The way <laughs> I respond to this is going to affect my future career at the agency, and I need to figure out what to say and do. Not unusual cost-benefit analysis to happen in a woman's head in this kind of situation. Absolutely. Totally normal. Okay. Absolutely. They seemed to be ignoring me, so I was not under any particular time pressure, but I felt I had to say something to intervene. 
Having said that, I felt that I couldn't risk a real confrontation. I needed to segue them gently to a different subject somehow. After a minute, I remembered that I had read that there had recently been a male-to-female transgender Playboy centerfold. So I decided that was my segue. I waited for a brief pause in their discussion and said, hey, didn't I hear that Playboy had a transgender centerfold a few months ago? Daniel said, no, that's impossible. But Stephen replied, yes, that's right. It was Miss whatever month. Don't you remember her? She had the greatest. <laughs> our, our listener, our, our listener writes, insert body parts here. Well, uh, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, they were off to the races again. My attempted segue had failed, so I just went and looked out one of the windows for a few minutes, then pulled out a notebook and pretended to be busy writing in it. After a little while, Stephen decided we should be preparing for our recruiting meeting. Duh. (laughs) So we did, and then the athlete arrived with his parents and girlfriend, and we had a pleasant discussion with them, although we didn't succeed in recruiting him. When I got back to the office on Monday, I went to see my boss, let's call him Peter, who was an EVP in the company. I told him I needed to tell him something, but before I disclosed it, I needed him to promise me that he would not do anything about it. He resisted, but eventually agreed. I then told him the story. His eyes were like big blue saucers by the time I finished. He said, you should let me talk to Stephen. I said, no. Stephen's the vice chairman of this company and the head of the team sports group. If he decides he can't take me on recruiting trips, that will be very bad for me. Peter then asked me, Why are you telling me this if you don't want me to do anything about it? I replied, do you believe me? He said, yes, of course I believe you. I said, good. I'm telling you this so that the next time a woman tells you a story like this, you will believe her. I want you to understand that just because this kind of thing doesn't happen in front of you, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen at all. I want you to know it does and believe women when they tell you stories like mine or worse. He nodded. I don't know if it really took, but that nod was some consolation for me. I got promoted to VP in a year or two after this and worked there for a total of another six years or so. After I left, I heard that Peter had left his wife and moved in with a young female attorney who had recently been hired as my assistant. All I could think of was, thank God I'm not going to work every day in an office where my boss is fucking my assistant. Oh my God! Oh, there's so much there. Right. <laughs> so I'm right trying now, to like. There's an advertisement here right now for watching on video, so you can see. <laughs> so okay, first of all, I applaud her going to tell Peter. Right, I applaud Absolutely. bringing that forward. However, in my role as advising an organization, I would have said, Peter, you don't have a flipping choice. You absolutely have to go deal with Steven and Dan and say, you got to knock that shit off. You can't do that anymore. Right. So there's that obligation. And then, dude, Peter, you're just as scummy. You can't sleep with someone else's assistant. <laughs> Not okay. Like, no. Not oh. okay. Not okay. Even for the yeah. 90s. Not okay. Yeah, even for the 90s, that's not okay. Now, the first part of that, again, I, by today's standards, we're all saying, no, I actually have to do something about that. Yeah. I'm not saying it should or or really 
I, or that sh you know, it should have been different in the '90s, but it was different in the '90s in terms of what was acceptable in terms of managing a situation mm -hmm. like that. So it doesn't surprise me that that was her request and that that request was honored. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean it should have been for the very reasons that you say. Uh, and I believe that today there's more of a chance, though still not necessarily a great chance, that that would that message would have been passed on. Right. Right. Oh, no, thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you to that listener for that yes. story. Uh, and I, I just picture it maybe, maybe in my head, it's more like the sexual harassment videos from the eighties where everyone's wearing three piece <laughs> suits and, and like big hair and, and shoulder pads. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm visualizing that situation with that kind of high powered sports recruiting. And I have this real vision of what it might've looked like in my head. And I thought that our, our listener did a great job of kind of evoking that. For yeah. Us. Painting that picture. And, you know, congratulations to that listener too. She was probably one of the very few women in that industry at the time. And this is probably not that unusual behavior. I'm sure she heard other things along her way. So congratulations to her for surviving as long as she did. Just, ugh, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. So, right. Well, and we I, appreciate this. Sorry, go ahead. When, when in 2002, when I applied for my first law clerk job, I went to a plaintiff's employment firm and I was sitting across the desk from the partners and I said, do you guys really still make money on sexual harassment? Like that still happens in my, you know, <laughs> super green naivete. Oh so. And now well, look at you. <laughs> now it pays for this place. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you to that listener for sending that story. And I'm going to, I'm going to whine here for a second and, and beg <laughs> and plead, please send us your stories. Um, HWE podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Kate, anything else to say before we wrap up? No, I hope everybody's washing their hands and wearing their masks. Please yeah. Stay. Especially as things start to ease up in some States and people are allowed back out. Um, I have serious concerns that we're going to see another wave hit not long thereafter uh, and that people are going to kind of move too fast. So uh, don't be one of the fast movers on this. I think be be no. prudent. It, it's not gone yet and it can come back just as easily again. So, yeah. All right. Hopefully it'll hey. be the end sometime soon. So see you later, guys. Yeah. Uh, before we go, we, we have to do how can people find you? And I thought that was important this week because you actually... <laughs> changed a piece of information so did. kate I... how can people find you so i changed my twitter handle so it's easier it's just k8 b-i-s-c-h that's it that's my handle no now. more that's hr it. law no more hr law when i originally started i had read how to create the right perfect handle and then i did it wrong and i have a whole bunch of new twitter uh tasks and things that i do now so it just makes sense to drop the hr law so yeah. All right. But I'm at otherwise, LinkedIn. Sorry. So otherwise, LinkedIn, always easy too. And you're still at Salad Pants? I am. I will always be at Salad <laughs> Pants. Uh, yeah. And I can be found at alifanslaw.com with my really not well put together yet website that has like five words on it, but it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it, it will be developed in time um, and uh, can be found on LinkedIn and anywhere else. So, oh, and join our Facebook group at yeah. HWE uh, Podcast uh, uh, Facebook group. Uh, we are trying to put some more content there. We're going to slowly start to build that up. So, and all of the uh, episodes are going up there on video as well. So, yeah, awesome. All right. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. We'll be Adios. back in a couple of, couple of weeks, if not before. <laughs>